0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDIC.
1: And welcome to the third annual Anglo-Italian End of Season Awards Thank you for joining us. As always, my name is Rory
0: and I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam. Hey Rory, how are you doing? I cannot wait for this awards and on Monday night we were talking about how the season was almost up. But it does feel like the season hasn't finished because Kylian Mbappe has handed in his uh, kind of notice that he's going to be leaving the club. Ricky Lambert has joined Matt Latissier in his conspiracy theories <laughs> and there's lots of transfer rumors but more importantly mate how are you doing mate?
1: The drama never ends in football I, I was thinking the whole time when I was like oh how are we going to do shows across the summer how like what would we be talking about how would like how will we find things to say and then without a doubt there will always be things to talk about there'll always be things to talk about so we might be back but for now We're going to concentrate on the awards. Adam, how are you doing as well? I never
0: asked. (laughs) I'm doing quite well. It's been quite a stressful day at work, but nonetheless, mate, I've been looking forward to this evening because we've got the inaugural awards ceremony and we've been doing our best to kind of cover off the best or the de la creme of the Premier League, haven't we, Rory?
1: We have. And so we're going to kind of take you through how the show is going to work. Now, if you've had an eye on our Twitter, which, let's face it, if you haven't, shame on you, we have been looking at awards, and the awards we are going to be giving are goal of the season, player of the season, young player of the season, manager of the season, flop of the season, the surprise player, the surprise team, the meme of the season and the funniest moment. So, we're going to take you through one by one. This show is going to be the Premier League Awards only. So, if you're here for the Premier League, stay. If you're here for the Serie A, stay and listen to the Serie A one as well. But there will be another episode where we will be focusing on Serie A yeah. as well. Now, Adam, without any further ado, should we take a very quick break and come back to the awards show? and here we are it is time for the award show for the Premier League Anglo-Italian awards of the season and to kick us all off we are going to go with goal of the season now we have had some nominations from Twitter so from all friends of the show friends of the pod we have Curva Mundial pod Charles Davy, mm. Footlol uh, Fede Farco Joe Spagnoli The North Curve and of course, AFC winners all submitting their nominations. So we have for the Premier League, we have Almiron versus Fulham. Um, we also have Enciso against Man City, of course. Um, Adam, what was the first goal that you that came to your mind when you thought of goal of the season?
0: Um so there's a few that came to mind. Um one of them is the one you've mentioned, so Enciso versus Man City, because I think that's the most current and probably most recent that I've seen that has been incredible. But um, one that I want to remind everyone of was uh, Mateo Nunes for Wolves Mm. versus Chelsea, which was on the edge of the area on the half volley and it went into the bottom corner past Kepa in the Chelsea goal. Um, But one, Rory, that I think both of us will love uh, to talk about is Michael Aluse. His free kick (sighs) against Man United that was the day that he killed off Man United's hopes of being second place (laughs) and killed off uh, a certain podcasting host, Andy, uh, from talking about Man United in a spirited way, shall we say. Um, But it was a fantastic free kick. Just the kind of venom, the pace, Mm -hmm. and the fact that he got it with precision into the top corner. Because if you remember the kind of, I suppose, to set the scene, it was that free kick that was literally... Man United were hanging on for that Mm -hmm. moment. It was, uh, if you remember, Casemiro went in stupidly with a foul and it was from the resulting free kick, Elise hammers it into the top corner. But Rory... I suspect there might be an Arsenal favourite for you that might crop up. I've
1: I've tried not to. I've tried not to. Um, What I did like about the Elise goal was that he barely celebrated as well. Um, I love that guy's vibes. Um, No, I haven't picked Reese Nelson. (laughs) I've tried really hard not to pick Reese Nelson, Um, but it has got a mention now, I suppose. The goal I wanted to um, remind people of was De Bruyne against Bournemouth. Now, there was a goal, and he jinks past like two or three of the players. Yeah. There's a defender slightly in front of him, and just with the outside of his right foot, he just curls it round into the bottom corner. And it was just a really, really beautiful finish. Mm, yeah. um, really beautiful finish. And it was one that when I was kind of researching this show, I'd completely forgotten about. And I was like, yeah. oh, damn, that is a sexy goal. But the Arsenal goal I've picked to... Um, to nominate, because there has to be one. Because I think, well, I was in the stadium and it's a beautiful goal. It was Gabriel Jesus against Leicester. um, Mm. The first goal. Um, It was where he kind of, again, dribbles past a few defenders. He's on the edge of the box, like far corner, and he just chips it right over Danny Ward, obviously, and into the kind of side (laughs) net. Just a really beautiful finish. I think it was not only because I was in the stadium, but I think it was a very, very genuinely very good goal, and his first goal for the club as well, so kind of a sign of things to yeah. come for him, um, really announcing himself for the club now if we try to decide on an actual goal of the month I'm go- goal of the month, goal of the season I'm going to put forward Almiron against Fulham Okay. Also, because watching the highlights of the best goals of the season, Newcastle have scored some absolute bangers. I think they might be the team with the most great goals this season. So Sam Maximan scored a great great one against Wolves. Uh, Fabian Shaw scored a great one as well against Nottingham Forest, I think it was. Um, Yeah, Shaw versus Forest at Newcastle. Um, So I'm going to say, because of the quantity of quality goals Mm. and an outside-of-the-foot volley finish, on the edge of the box. I think Almiron deserves it. Are you pushing forward
0: in Caesar? What do we think? So I, I am. I'm going to push for it because I feel like one part was, it was all about Brighton securing those European spots. Mm-hmm. So on that day, it was not going to be an easy task against Man City. And if you remember, Man City had already confirmed the Premier League title at that stage. But... Shh. Be quiet <laughs> yes um they knew they were going into this with some hard fixtures it wasn't just mm. this game in particular that they had to look forward to um but in season i mean you saw in the previous game against chelsea he scored another spectacular goal as well yeah, if you yeah. remember um, but this one tops it because if you look at how he kind of directs the ball it's got enough kind of i suppose uh, power in the shot that it goes, just floats into the top corner. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. for me, Rory, I, I love, I don't know if you will we'll probably just clip it, but there's a reaction from a Man City fan in the background going, fucking holy shit. <laughs> like <going> like yeah. <laughs> That for me kind of goes yeah. against the top side. That was brilliant. That was epic. So I for think, me, that gets my vote.
1: I think you've convinced me, you know, I think you've convinced me the importance of the goal Enciso announcing himself on the stage, really, yeah. if you know what I mean. Like he'd had a few performances, but a real announcement there. And yeah, a goal that rises, keeps rising into yeah. the net is always a beautiful thing. So I think we're going to say congratulations to Enciso. You are the first winner of an award this evening <laughs> yeah. with the Anglo-Italian Pods goal of the season. Nice. <laughs> Quick round of applause. <laughs> nice. So the next category is going to be player of the season. Now we have to try and make this a little bit interesting because we know who it's going to be in the Premier League. It's hard to look anywhere beyond that Nordic god. <laughs> but in the in the name of being a contrarian, um, I'm going to put forward, because I said it on the pod last week, I'm going to put forward John Stones. I'm yeah. going to put forward John Stones for his performances for Man City at the back. I think defensively they've been a lot more solid in the second half of the season. He was a huge part of that. I think he's learned a new role. He's evolved as a player. um, And I think, even though it's quite obviously Haaland, I want to put forward John Stone's thoughts on John Stone's this season. Do you think he deserves a shout?
0: I think so. And the reason why, Rory, I've written three names down. Obviously, we've mentioned two already. So that kind of shows you, I think we're on the same wavelength on this. Um, But yeah, I think the critical point is, when Pep was going through that bad rut, I suppose with Man City, where they were kind of saying Haaland doesn't fit the system, maybe he's ruining what was actually a decent side. That's when they changed John Stones into that Beckenbauer mm-hmm. kind of role, and it's since then I, I've, I've you've got to give it credit because they haven't lost a game since that move. yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know Pep has managed to evolve his game as well, which is. I suppose one of the things that has always been kind of construed to Pep that he likes to stick with his own philosophies. Yeah. He doesn't really like to change it too often. If it, if he changes things, it's personnel. It tends to be personnel. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily the tactics itself. So for him to actually modify and change the way that Man City were playing, I think that shows how big a player and how much of a mantle he is. And I think mm-hmm. I was blessed to see him obviously in that Champions League semi-final tie against Real Madrid. And I think the thing that was probably strange for me to see was how far up he was at the other end of the pitch because he was Mm -hmm. controlling the ball so much that Real Madrid really did struggle on that night. And that shows you how much he's developed as an individual as the season's gone on. Um, Rory, I'm also going to mention this player as well because you mentioned it earlier in our pods this season. and I think he deserves a shout. He's on my list as player of the season as well martin odegaard so i think he's managed to convince me to be on that list purely because mm-hmm. of how much he's grown this season and he's become really much of a focal point now obviously you love the guy i'm gonna yeah. let you take the stage now and talk oh. about his credentials but i i will back you on those three and i think we're gonna have a hard task of like narrowing it down to one i Let's go for it. So Odegaard, go on, tell me
1: about him. I cannot believe that. If I think about the journey we've been on with Martin Odegaard, we got him on loan from Real Madrid. He was a little bit lost. He'd had that great spell at Sociedad um, with Izak. And he kind of, obviously this pressure from when he was 14 and it felt like we were getting this wonder kid, but it wasn't really going to work. It was a wonder kid that had failed. And now he's just finding himself at Arsenal. And I think like 30% of that is true, that his career was getting away from him. Arsenal were in a bit of a rough spot. He wasn't in the best place. But I think what Arteta has been able to do is see the raw talent that this guy has and the personality, the leadership. He is just the full package. And I cannot believe we've got him. It was like this player who the whole of the world football was fighting over for so long to get his signature. And he's not only have we got him, he's becoming the player that people thought he would be. And you think, oh God, we've nailed this. And I think he's tied the record for the most non-penalty goals from a midfielder Mm -hmm. in the Premier League this year. Um, He's got an incredible amount of assists as well. Um, Alongside the fact that he leads by example in every performance, he's not the leader who kind of shouts and screams, but he's a leader that everyone looks at and goes, well, if that guy's running his bollocks off, I need to run my bollocks off. And I think, So many huge wins we've got this year and so many huge moments have been down to him. I always think of the Newcastle game um, where when we were really up against it, he was just running and running and battling and getting the ball and just going. And he just absolutely, he appears to absolutely love the club. He appears to love Mikel Arteta. I think he could be our captain for a very, very long time. I'd be very happy for that to happen. And it's been his first season where he's really kicked on. Because I think last year he did well. But the team did okay. He did okay. This year, he's really kicked on, really got that relationship with Saka and Jesus and Martinelli and just really become a completely different player. I think without Haaland in the league, Mm. Erdogan wins player of the year. Um, So, yeah, just cannot. I could talk about him forever. I just absolutely love the bloke. And, yeah, oh, God, Martin, thank you. What a season. What a season.
0: Rory, just out of curiosity, what did the other kind of pods and different people kind of – wrote on our kind of posts. What did they suggest? Um, It's a lot of Haaland. A lot
1: of Haaland, unsurprisingly. Um, Haaland, 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 and Haaland. Yeah, Haaland is getting all of the shouts, unsurprisingly. Um, Mm. So I think, just due to popular demand, we're going to have to give it Haaland. But we'll say, parentheses, um, Erdegaard second place.
0: Okay. Fair
1: enough. Everything else fair. Okay. Very nice. Good. Thank you for reminding me. Applause. (laughs) Polite applause. Um, The next category is Young Player of the Season. Now, um, for the Premier League, the uh, nominations we have, we have Bukayo Saka. We have. um, I need to get better at scrolling through my phone. We have Bukayo Saka. We have Bakayo Saka. And I am putting forward Bukayo Saka. Do you have someone else to put forward, Adam? I
0: do. I do. This might not might surprise you, actually. Might not. I don't know. It depends on your feelings on this one. Even Ferguson, even Ferguson from Brighton. Wow. Now, okay. I've gone for someone's bit rogue, just purely because I feel like he's developed into an incredible striker in that time with Brighton. We probably none of us expected the flourish or growth of this individual but the way that he's adapted to this team and like become a focal point for Brighton now and I think that's helped by Deserby obviously Deserby Mm -hmm. gives you that confidence and obviously I think it helps that his style of football really does suit the way that they go and don't forget Brighton were crying out for an out and out striker and Ferguson's just come in really nicely into that Brighton philosophy where they seem to just get this talent and no one seems to know about them until they appear at Brighton. And I just think, when I think about the other players, yes, Saka definitely deserves a shout. And I'm not expecting even Ferguson to win this, by the way. Um, But just to be in that company, because also you could argue, Moses Casado could also be in this area as well. Um, given how important he's been. And if you think about now we're entering this summer period where he's likely to potentially be snapped up by another club and he'll be another focal point for them going into the future, wherever he ends up at. But Ferguson, I think he's just a fantastic striker. He's kind of in the ilk of a Kane or, you know, like a Shearer-style striker. And I feel like for years to come, you know, he's going to get better and better. Um but yeah, that said, um Rory, I, I suspect it's gonna be a Saka hat on here. Um I also, think I'm gonna think push forward as well.
1: I think I'm gonna push forward with Saka, I apologise, but yes. I think Evan Ferguson is a very good shout. I think you're right because he wasn't getting the opportunities under Potter mm. and then De Zerbi came in and it was like boom, who is this guy, right? It felt like he wasn't yeah, it felt like he wasn't getting opportunities under Potter. I'd have to look into that a bit more, but I think De Zerbi was the one who gave him kind of his yeah. big break um and kind of trusted him. I like it because he's an Irish striker and I'm pinning all of Ireland's yeah, future yeah. qualifications to any tournament broadly on his shoulders. So I like the, quali- I like the, um, the uh, I've forgotten the word now, nomination. Um, but I think despite the fact that Saka had a very, very quiet start to the end to the season, um, he did kind of, i like missing the penalty at West Ham, he did yeah. disappear in a few games. I think his end of the season was very disappointing. Despite that, he has played 86 games in a row for Arsenal or something like that. The guy's just tired. Um, but I think despite that, he has been by far and away the best young player of the season. I think yeah. the goals and assists, he, he was scoring in huge games against Manchester United, he scored against mm-hmm. Man City, he scored against Chelsea, he scored against Liverpool, he uh, scored against Tottenham, he scored in all the big games mm-hmm. um, and came up with huge moments. So I think the Saka. I'm delighted to be able to give you this award. Um, the, the first Arsenal award, let's, let's have Great it for done. the first Arsenal award. I think we'll take, we can take that, right? We can take yeah. that, can be happy with that. Um, the whole season wasn't for nothing. That's nice. <laughs> um, next up, we do have manager of the season. Okay. Now, some of the nominations we have. Deserby. Um We have um, Deserby again. We have Deserby. And we have Emery as an outside shout. Now, Adam, I'm okay. going to let you go with who do you think is your manager of the year? Because I think mine has just been mentioned. <sighs>
0: um, I've got five managers here on my list and it was more of, I think I'm going to need you to persuade me, to kind of guide me on this one. So I've got Pep, I've got Eddie Howe, I've got Gary O'Neill, I've got Mikel Arteta, and I've got De Zerbi. All for different reasons. I think they deserve a shout. Um, If we start off with Pep, just a phenomenal season. The fact that he's managed to transform where they were going for a dodgy patch, especially as they were behind Arsenal and he's just carry that momentum going forward I think deserves a shout. I know it's Pep and he's got a blessed squad in that sense you know, blessed riches etc but it's one thing having those riches is another to actually guide that team through that and obviously Mm -hmm. chase as well keep that momentum. I think if we were saying this was Ferguson no one would be kind of arguing that he shouldn't get this award but because it's Pep I think there's certain disparagisation of him as a coach, perhaps. Um, Anyway, I think also it's the
1: situation that he's in. Like, I think it's also the, the 115 charges that are outstanding. Right. I think that also takes a little bit away from it of like Ferguson. Yes, they did financially dominate the premier league um, to an extent, but it wasn't to the same extent that Man City do. And I think that's why it kind of takes away a little bit from what Pep's done, but you are absolutely right. The team that he has built, they've just won a bloody treble and they, the only thing that stopped him from winning a quadruple was Southampton. Can you yeah. believe it? Like so, I think, yeah, the the he's done an insane job. And as you said, they only had to turn up for half the season to get it done. Like exactly. it's mind incredible. blowing. Really, absolutely incredible. Um, I'm going to go. Quickly the next one the I wanted ones. to talk about yeah, that you mentioned was Gary O'Neill. Mm. So I think Gary O'Neill's done an incredible job coming in from Scott Parker in horrifically difficult circumstances, yeah. straight off a nine nil loss. Um, everyone was kind of the bookies were basically paying out on Bournemouth going yeah, down, yeah, and then yeah. for him to have them so comfortable towards the end of the season and with basically the same squad a few re, a few reinforcements in January that really yeah, did the yeah, job, like uh, Wotada and stuff they made some good um additions, but he's done an incredible job. How impressed have you been by Gary O'Neill? Do you think he can push Bournemouth on next year?
0: I think he will. Um, I think there is a certain vibe of optimism with Bournemouth mm. going forward and I think the fact that they've got the ownership situation sorted as well and we, we have to remember that that was context of rounds where Scott Parker made those comments around we haven't got the squads they'd lost to a Liverpool 9-0 at that time and it was just like yeah it looks like it was all going for towards the doors of relegation and then Gary O'Neill obviously being a coach at the time only been brought in um he's managed to galvanise the squad and I think, given the squad's quality, and he hasn't really added too much to it as well, if you remember, in terms of January transfer window, he still managed to get performances out of them. And I think mm. that that's the most impressive thing we can say about him that he's more than just someone that relies on perhaps experience or, you know, know how. He's actually just gone about it. And there's probably been times where it would have been easy to have sacked him. If you look at, Counterpart teams around that kind of same situation, you know, like Leeds, just the difference in terms of belief in the manager. I mean, if you think about it, if Jesse Marsh was still at Leeds, could he have kept them up? I suspect there could have been a bit of fight, and maybe you could have kind of gone into some and gone, he's not, not, not for us, right? But with Bournemouth, they've given the trust. Um, they know the process and i think they've set themselves up for success now that you know i think that for what he's done it's been magnificent and he deserves all the praise um and yeah i suppose that's that's where it is i i think is he good enough though to be manager of the season that's the question mark right i think you need to,
1: as much as he's exceeded expectations which he massively has i feel like he's just not done it to the same extent yeah as other managers. So I think the next one on your list that I want to talk about is going to be Roberto Deserbi. Yeah. Because I think to come into the country and be roundly mocked by everyone who's never watched a a, a non-English game of football. um, We all knew what he was like. We knew that it was an incredible appointment from Brighton. Mm. We knew that it was going to be positive, but we didn't think it would be this positive. And to take a squad that was doing so well under Potter, evolve the way they play, make them more Make them more stable financially. um yep. make them more stable defensively, whilst making them more threatening offensively. Mm. It's he's raised all levels of the pitch. Yeah, he raised all areas of the pitch. And he's almost brought a new style of football to the Premier League. I feel like he yep. has brought Zerby ball, like the yep. Ball is there where the the defenders hold the ball, they wait. They wait for the runners to find the space. They play two passes rather than one. Like It's like fine-tuning a type of football that was already in the league, but it's like his own stamp on it. And I think, obviously, it's an incredibly well-built squad and there's a lot of talent there, mm-hmm. but I think none of them do any of that without being so well-coached. And I just think for him to get Brighton into Europe is just, it's the best achievement of this season. <laughs> it just 100%. is. I can't see anything above it.
0: 100% and I think what's really we've got to put our minds back to when he first came into the job, his first game was against Liverpool and mm-hmm. they drew three all on that day okay. and This yeah. was a Talking about where, defensive stability I know yeah. right, yeah. but we all said at the time, both you and me there's going to be plenty of goals with Deserbi, and he yeah. hasn't disappointed, he hasn't disappointed in that, but I think the most telling thing for me Rory is there was a recent interview with Paul Barber he mentioned about his determination to bring something and bring a bit of optimism to Brighton. I think there's always mm-hmm. been this kind of, not necessarily pessimistic, but this kind of acceptance that Brighton are this level and therefore they don't ever achieve more. And he's brought in a new philosophy, new way of thinking. He's got the players also thinking, because I remember earlier on the season, Solly Marsh kind of mentioned about the fact that he kind of challenged him and said, You've got mm-hmm. to score 11 goals this season for me. And it was like, oh shit, I don't, I, I've never really scored more than two goals a season. Like, this is like a challenge. And he's actually increased his game and subsequently all the other players around him. So that's been phenomenal. And I think Deserve deserves a lot of plaudits for the way he's approached the game, the way he's gone about it. And it's beautiful. It's been beautiful football. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he's got them into Europe, and we also have to remember the backdrop of Graham Potter. Really solid team he had at the time, but he's actually increased the stock yeah, really. of Brian. He's actually improved that squad, and I think for that reason alone, he's definitely a contender for manager of the season. Definitely, Roy. I think I'm,
1: I'm firmly behind De I'll be honest, mm. I like the shout for Mikel Arteta because nobody expected anything from Arsenal this year. Most people yeah. expected us to be fifth um, or lower. Um, I like the shout for Unai Emery because since he's mm. been in, there's not been many managers better than him in the league since he's come in. Um, but as I'm aware of time, I'm going to try and push forward and say, I'm going to say De
0: Okay, I'm also going to agree. Just because I think it's going to be too Man City heavy as well, and I, yeah, as, much yeah, as, I as much as I appreciate, as much as I appreciate Pep I think awful. just because of the job I was just spoken about it, I love the fact that Deserbi has owned it this season. So well played, Deserbi! Absolutely smashed it. Good work, Roberto. Good
1: work, Roberto. Next up, the next category is flop of the season. Now some of the nominations we've got flop of the season, we have um oh no, that's for Italy. Um flop of the season, where are the English flops of the season? Um mostly it is Todd Bowley or Anthony. Uh, okay. now my my nomination was also Todd Bowley for <laughs> flop of the season.
0: Um Adam, who is your nomination for flop of the season? So I've got three players here, um two from the same team. So I'll go from no particular order, Raheem Sterling at Chelsea, Mark Cucurella, and a favourite for you, Rory, you talk about in most weeks when we're bashing a certain team, Richarlison.
1: Oh, mate, you just stole my heart. (laughs) I didn't want to make too many Spurs uh, nominations either, but But, yeah, Richarlison's a massive shout, to be fair. Yes. Um, Where do we want to start? Where do we want to start? I want to save the Richarlison chat for later, because it's coming up. (laughs) I want to save the Richarlison chat, but... I think Raheem Sterling is a very good shout, but I think despite how poor Chelsea have been, I think he might have been one of their better players. (laughs) I think he might. At the start of the season, I feel like it felt like it was going quite well. It felt like, okay, this makes sense. And then it all fell apart, and it was just him going, why the hell have I ended up here? Um, So I think Sterling has a very big shout. Tell me why you think Sterling.
0: So... I'm a bit like yourself. At the beginning of the season, it seemed to make sense, especially when you think the context was Man City let him go. They knew that they wouldn't tie him down to a new contract. So he wanted more game time. And I thought, you know what? That's a really good move bit strange because don't forget he had a little bit of a tussle before when he's been at the bridge with fans and mm-hmm. it's like hmm this is going to be interesting especially as he's the next QPR boy as well so coming through the yes. ranks as well yeah, so yeah. that might have added a bit more of salt on top um, but for me I just feel like he hasn't actually shown the quality of type of player he's been or Mm. can be if that makes sense I've got nothing against Raheem Sterling I think he's on his day a really good player and I think there was rumours at the time that he might have joined Arsenal which you would have been jumping for joy as well at the time because you know the performances you can get out of him as well but for me I just don't think he's been enough of a experienced head to drive this Mm -hmm. team through like there's been occasions during the season where they've just needed someone with a bit more know-how to help them out in these kind of ruts. And he's just gone like no way. We don't know where he's been. And when he's running with the ball, he doesn't seem to have that same fire in his belly. Like when he was under Pep, he knew he had to do a job. Mm -hmm. Whereas maybe probably the context of lots of different managers, a lot of different people, A lot of Frank. different formations as well. Let's be honest; yeah, yeah, he yeah. doesn't know where he is. So I think for just the experience side of him, he should have done better. But I don't necessarily think he's my flop, if that makes mm. sense. I've I've just put him in there as just something to. I think it's a good shout. I think kind of shout. Yeah. Out.
1: yeah, I think it's a very good shout. I think what we can already. Um, figure out, is that the flop will be coming from West London. It will be <laughs> coming from Chelsea. It will be someone involved in that organisation. I think Anthony is a very good shout um, no. from ASC Finners um, because he's been terrible as well. But, worse numbers than Pepe. Can you imagine? Worse numbers than I Pepe. Know. And we got butchered for Pepe. I know. Um, but, I think my flop of the season is Todd Bowley. I think it's <laughs> hard to look beyond Todd, in terms of someone who's come into the league, and not only have they done badly, they've actively taken everything backwards Mm. and arguably done long-term damage to a club in the contracts that they've handed out. I think if you sent in someone like to sabotage Chelsea they wouldn't have done as bad a job as Todd Bowley has done this now some good. of the young players he's brought in are very good Badia Schiele looks incredible mm-hmm. um, Madueke looks yep. very promising Mudrick there is a player there but obviously the problem is is that he just thinks if you throw all of these players together eventually magic will happen but I think for Chelsea to finish 12th I don't think they would have had as bad a season if there hadn't been the complete unrest of what happened throughout the season, whether it's Tuchel being sacked, Graham Potter being hired, then sacked. Mm. And a lot of these, these are all Todd Bowley's decisions, right? Tuchel being sacked is Todd Bowley's decision. Potter being hired and fired, that's Todd Bowley. Frank being hired, that's Todd Bowley. So all of the decisions that he's made have made things actively worse for Chelsea. I think if he sticks with Tuchel... Chelsea arguably get Europa League, get Champions League, like with that squad, because there's a clear mm. idea, clear tactics, decent squad. I think Todd Bowley is the one that's caused this awful season or been the biggest part of it. So he is my main um, nomination. But I also like the shout of Kukurea because every time I've seen him, he's been absolutely atrocious. Kukurea?
0: Yeah, I, I think just remember he was brought in just before that Bowley kind of was mm. kind of instated as the chairman. But he's obviously backed. Uh, at the time, it was too cool. Um, they did need someone on that left-hand side. If you remember, he was pretty much certain to go to Man City, but they couldn't agree the fee itself. And that's where Brighton kind of saw Chelsea desperate state and said, "Right, if you want him, here's his what you've got to pay." And they kind of bent over backwards to just bring him in. And that's on the back of one good season that he had in the Premier League. Now, don't f- forget, he had a good season with Brighton, but. If you talk to Brighton fans, they wouldn't say he was magnificent. They would have said, yeah, "Yeah, he had a good season, but nothing more. And you've seen it in the performances. I mean, probably also when we're comparing Raheem Sterling with Cucurella, they've had very similar kind of fortunes in terms of this season being played in different positions. If you remember, Cucurella has played in the centre-back position, left-hand side of a 3 He's also played on the left hand side, also played as a left wing back. He's also played as attacking left hand side attacker. So I think it's been just a mixture of performances from him. But defensively, he's just so poor. Uh, if mm. I remember rightly, there's one game that really sticks in my mind, which was the Spurs game. Do you remember when it was the famous Sandshake incident? But it was that it, the, last we're, we're goal. coming onto we'll that. We'll go into that definitely. For <laughs> yeah, yeah. that last goal kind of sums it up because he should have cleared his lines, if you remember. Mm. Obviously Koulibaly was on the line for whatever reason just let it yeah. through him, but Kukurela was supposed to be really attacking his man and he like, I wouldn't expect it from him but no. equally another another
1: secret another sneaky little shout for flop of the season there as well, Koulibaly is a massive shout for mm. flop of the season as well but yeah. if you agree with me Adam and you can feel Go free on. to disagree
0: I'm going to say Big Fat Todd wins it. I think so, because he's caused more mayhem. And, like, just, yeah, he's just been, as we've called it, the flop of the season.
1: But in a surprise award, Todd, I will give you the box office award for providing the most entertainment (laughs) just Pipping Nathan Jones to the award. So, congratulations. You're not going home. You're getting two awards. A good one and a bad one. Congratulations, Todd Bowley. Um, the next award coming up is going to be Surprise Player of the Season. Now, Curva Mundial Pod put up Erdegard as their Surprise mm-hmm. Player of the Season. Okay. Um, Footlol, say Nathan Ake. Um, we have Surprise Player. No. Um, AFC Finners. Where's he gone? Surprise Player... Um, Almiron. Now, I, I'm not sure about Almiron. He did have a good season last season under Howe as well. But of those nominations, do you think Erdegaard is a decent shout? Um, Palinia as well has been suggested by Joe Spagnoli. Who do you that,
0: think? That, that's the one I would have gone for, that last suggestion, Pallina. Um mm-hmm. Purely because I think, if you remember the context of him coming from Sporting Lisbon to Fulham, I think Fulham was another side that everyone predicted to go down. They expected it to be the Fulham of two seasons ago where they just bought loads of players. There didn't seem to be a philosophy Mm -hmm. and it was just a mishmash of like styles going on, I suppose. Um, But Paulina has got himself stuck in. Obviously, being in a different place as well, the football being slightly different, he's adapted really well. But he's become the focal point for Fulham. So if you remember... Midway through the season, he came out of that because I think it was due to an injury, and they lost. They lost a few games. Mm. As soon as he came back in, shored it up. They were back to playing their solid style. And Marco Silva has also credited to him for being the kind of impetus for them being so high in the league. Don't forget, yeah. they have fallen off a little bit, and that's probably to do with Mitrovic as well. But um, yeah. I think he's been a fantastic player. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. What he's you?
1: been. Like I want to talk about him a little bit mm. more further on in the show, but I think he's, yeah, to how key he's been to that team and a player that I knew nothing about. Not really. I didn't know anything about him. Maybe I'd seen him in the Champions League a bit and yeah. from Portugal, but I didn't know anything about him. And then when I saw him, I thought, okay, this is a player that in a few years' time, someone's going to be spending 60, 70 million on yeah. him. Like He's just an incredible player. So, yeah, I think he has a very, very good shout. I think Nathan Ake is a very big shout. Um, mm. Man City do this all the time, where they sign a player, don't use him, and you think, oh, it's flopped. Still keep an eye on Calvin Phillips. And yeah. then they use them, and all of a sudden, they're amazing. And I think Nathan Ake, when he scored that goal against Arsenal, <laughs> freaking, yeah, he got the first goal, and he's just like, for freak's sake. But he's playing left-back, and he's not a left-back. And then you see he's just an incredible footballer, physically huge. And just he's like the complete package, Champions League final, drops an absolute like all-timer performance. And you're like, okay, yeah, this I did not see this coming from the guy that from Bournemouth that everyone thought you spent too much money on. Like, I did not see this one coming. So I think Ake. Is a very, very good shout, and I think I might steal that nomination because I did have Colwill down because I yeah. didn't really know anything about him either. Chelsea now being desperate to sign him back is quite funny um, because, of course, they are. But um, I think I
0: am gonna put Ake ahead of Colwill. I think. Okay.
1: has convinced me.
0: Okay, well, let's go with that. I think that that is a good shout, so let's go with that. Nathan Ake gets it. Nathan yeah. Ake gets it. Congratulations, Nathan congratulations
1: next category is surprise team of the season now my nomination is going to be Aston Villa um Adam yeah. who is your nomination
0: before I take through take us through the other so nominations. I've actually gone for someone we've all kind of mentioned uh Fulham Fulham just because I think they've surprised us all at the beginning of the season I think probably it's fair to say second half hasn't been as strong as the first half of the season mm-hmm. but the momentum, the kind of determination, the fact that Marcus Silva's kept that philosophy as well, because I think it would have been very easy for him to have like changed his style, especially given his experience now in the Premier League. He's been with various different clubs, seen it, got the T-shirt. I think there was a lot of scepticism about him being back in the Premier League and what he mm-hmm. could actually do. Um, and I think he's a bit like a Deserby kind of disciple in that sense of, He sticks to his philosophies. He's got his moral principles. And he's actually, you know, galvanized that Fulham side to say, you can stay in this league. And they Mm -hmm. were at times, you know, pushing for that European spot. And it's just unfortunate. And I feel like if you think about them next season, if they have a few quality additions in that side, I think they'll do a Brighton Mm -hmm. easily could push up. And I think it's going to be very tight next season because. Boy, am I looking forward to next season already. It's um, it's incredible. But I just think in the context of he's managed to galvanise that side. They were favourites in my eyes to go down. I think they were yeah, most yeah. people's favourites to go down. And they've achieved a lot higher. But mm-hmm. Rory, I actually do like your suggestion about Aston Villa as well.
1: I think Aston Villa, before I get... I'm going to go into Aston Villa, yeah. but we've had suggestions of... Uh, Curva Mundial said Newcastle. Newcastle, they're getting a lot of shouts, really. Yeah, yeah. Fede Farco says NUFC. Uh, Just Spagnoli says Brighton. Yeah. Um, but I think I'm going to have to go and say, yeah, AFC Finner says Brighton. I'm going to have to push for Villa. I think if... This season feels like the longest season ever, right? It's incredible how long the season has been. Yeah. If you think of where they were under Steven Gerrard and where they are now, it is not even night and day. It's more stark than night and day, if that's possible. Like, how he has turned that squad around with just a few additions and a yeah. change in mindset. I think Emery and that those players have really been incredible to watch. It's not only that they're just getting wins. It's exciting Like, not football you necessarily associate with Emery, but exciting counter-attacking football. He's turned Douglas Luiz into the player that Aston Villa Mm -hmm. fans always knew he was. Like, it's just been incredible to watch. And I think for them to nick Conference League on the final day of the season, for a team that, again, if you'd have asked me in September who's going to go down, I might have been thinking about Aston Villa. Um, I think Aston Villa fans might have been thinking yeah. about Aston Villa as well. Um, for them to get Europe from that position is just absolutely incredible. I think it says a lot about the manager and a lot about the players. Uh, yeah. We've said for a long time, when we've had um, Billy on the pod as well, friend of the show, we've always talked about um, how good that squad is and how much mm. quality is there. And it's great to see a lot of them... Um, finally showing it again after a bit of a like a, a barren spell really yeah. where it all seemed very gray and not a lot of hope you've got John McGinn beautiful to watch yeah. again Ollie Watkins getting a clinical edge like and they've sold players as well they got rid of Danny Ings like they've got yeah. rid of players that were kind of almost in the way yeah. or not really useful and just streamlined the squad and gone right this is our team we go we kick on and then we can build on this and if they if they add good business this summer which i think they will yeah starting with monchi then honestly i think the, the limit for this team is really 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 high um yeah. so i think yeah super impressed with aston villa um but i'm happy to go with um i'm happy to go with fulham how do I, how, how, where are we going sh- i'm gonna sh- let you we- choose adam i'm do gonna let you choose
0: to- Do we need to discuss Newcastle? Because it seems like it's kind of a favourite with the others as well.
1: Yeah, we do kind of need to talk about them, don't we? I I feel like it's kind of like Man City. It's kind of like, yes, you've achieved this incredible thing and it's incredibly well coached. And the team are like, good to watch. And you Mm. battered Spurs 6-1 and thank you for that. (laughs) But I think there's just something about it where I'm just like, "Ah, it's not as impressive. It's just not as impressive. And mm. I expected Newcastle to build. Now, did I expect them to get Champions League? Probably not. But I expected them to get Europa League. Yes. Or Conference yeah. League, I'll be honest. Yeah. Whereas absolutely. I in no way expected Villa to
0: get anywhere near any um, yeah, exactly. So I
1: think, I don't know how you, what, what are your feelings on Newcastle? I mean, two
0: minds. Yeah, I mean, I think they've done a magnificent job, but I do agree with you. I think at the beginning of the season, I definitely had them for the top five easily. Mm-hmm. I thought they would be challenging it. It's just a question of which side might have fallen off, et cetera, because yeah, yeah. there's always one side that is predicted to be in that top four, top six mix, but then falls off. So for me, yeah, I agree with you. And I think, yeah, just the shouts of Brighton, Yes, they have been magnificent, but I think we've given enough credit to them so far of this award. We want to spread it around. We want to spread it around. Spread the love. Spread Um, the love. So, my dilemma is this, Rory. We've got Fulham that have done really well this first half of the season, and second half of the season has been Villa. And Mm. Villa have been quality probably from the beginning of that kind of cycle, but they just didn't have the right management structure, (laughs) fair to say. Um, So, from my point of view, I think I'm swaying to Villa. Purely because I feel like what Emery's done he's utilised the same plays, like you've said, galvanised it with the likes of Alex Moreno, for example, even though they had the likes of Lucas Dinha in that squad as well, um, galvanised it, made players like Leon Bailey become more of a focal point. I think that's fair to say. And... Yeah, if you think about there's still players like Bubakar Kamara still out there, yeah, yeah, yeah. Diego Calitos, and all of these kind of players waiting to come into this squad in next season, should we say. I think it's exciting. So I'm going to go Aston Villa.
1: Aston Villa, congratulations to the, uh, what is it? The villains. Of course it is the, yes, villains. the villains. Congratulations. I've enjoyed incredibly watching your second half <laughs> of the season. We are nearly at the end of the awards, guys. We're nearly at the end. Can you believe it? time flies. The next category is your favorite meme of the (laughs) season or meme moment. So not a specific meme, but a moment that produced lots of memes. Now we have, of course, the Conte Tuchel handshake straight in from Curva Mundial Pod. Um, Footlol says the Conte Tuchel handshake. Um, We have, um, I'm going to put forward as my meme moment, um, just the whole thing around Liverpool battering Manchester United 7-0. Now, obviously, part of this is because Liverpool battered Manchester United 7-0, but also the picture of Gary Neville and Roy Keane with those shit-eating grins on their face as Souness (laughs) says, I reckon Liverpool are going to get a win here. I will never get bored of looking at that, that image. And then just right next to it, The picture of Carragher taking a selfie of Neville. looks like (laughs) he's about to eat 10 packets of fucking antibiotics. Like, he got a paracetamol. It's just incredible. I think that that moment for me, that game, the memes it produced, the laughter it produced from me, I think it has to be my moment. Now, Adam, I'm going to let you talk about the Conte Tuchel handshake because equally... It feels like 10 seasons ago. It doesn't feel like this season. It doesn't season. feel that was like this it season. This season. Yeah.
0: But what were your reactions to that moment? It was an incredible moment, right? I think it was such a tense game as well, if you remember. Yeah. like Obviously, Spurs not really getting much luck at the bridge as well. Um, Thomas Tuchel needed that win, if you remember, because context was they weren't having a particularly great season or great start to the season. Um, and um, yeah, they pulled it out of the bag because they were 2-0 down pulled it back and then going into that last corner then scores and obviously Conte being Conte he celebrated with a bit of um such a showboating shall we say (laughs) and um obviously Uh, he was still respectful to the Chelsea fans but that moment in particular as soon as you kind of saw him kind of give the handshake to Tuchel but Tuchel grabs him grabs hold of him and then like what's this like come on (laughs) and then it was beautiful it was absolutely amazing seeing those scenes but yeah we wouldn't encourage it Let's put it that way. We wouldn't encourage those scenes again. I'm we, definitely Rory? encouraging it. It's one of the things that
1: the commentators are like, oh, we hate to see that. Shut yeah. up. No, we love to see it. More of that, please. Um, As a, as a little honorary shout, because it feels like I've not talked about Arsenal for a while, Um, the Twitter page, out of context, Ben White, has given me a lot <laughs> of pleasure this season because that guy's such a shit house on the pitch. I really do suggest it as a follow. But I think I'm going to say, because it's going to be a timeless moment for the rest of Premier League history, that screenshot is going to have to be the two called Conte handshake. I think it has to get the the meme moment right. That is going yeah. to be unforgettable in
0: kind of pure Premier League history. I think it will. I think people will look at but ba- look back at this season and go, that is what encapsulate this season because that was
1: that season. That's the kind of keggy yeah. meltdown for that season. That's like this moment season. Was Tuchel and Conte, two managers not long for this world either, kind of losing their shit in a high-pressure environment. So congratulations, Thomas. Congratulations, Antonio. You may have been sacked, but you do get the Anglo-Italian Pod Award for Meme of the Year. Congratulations. And the final, final award is funniest moment of the season. Just funniest (laughs) moment. The moment that made you laugh the most. Um, Cover Mondial Pod come with... Bowley, <laughs> Bowley falling asleep at his own games after spending a billion pounds. Yeah. Um, Liverpool 7, Manchester United from Footlol. Um We have... Uh, oh, God. We have... What did... Um, I'm looking for the... Oh, Nathan Jones on Welsh women from and Finners yes. as well is definitely up there. Um, Nathan Jones, we've not talked about him yet. How much did we enjoy him? Is that moment there up there for
0: you? Uh, Yeah, definitely, because he was a prick. And um, yeah, just Just, the things that he came out with. I wasn't surprised that he had the audacity to say those things, if that makes sense. No. But it was just the whole demoralizing aspect of Nathan Jones. He hasn't got a clue and he spouts off shit like this. It's just like the comparisons made no sense. And you can imagine what he was like when it came to team talks. It was just like... Yeah, it's either try and get motivated and work for me or go the other way. And I think a lot of the players were going the other way, basically. So for me, wasn't surprised. I will put in my uh, piece in terms yes, of nomination. Your nomination, please. And it is Antonio Conte to Sky Italia about his situation with Spurs. And uh, I've oh, got the tweet got here. The it's uh, with the interview with Sky Italia. He said, Daniel Le- Le- Levy is a. Weird little guy with no friends. Owner jo- Joe Lewis, described as a tax-dodging toy yacht nonce. And Tottenham Hotspur Football Club, not even in North London. It's historically Middlesex. So this is his is this time where he was relaxing after his operation. And then, obviously, <laughs> from afar, whilst Tottenham were kind of collapsing you know, fire burning. hoping
1: the translator was having a day off. I am <laughs> yeah. hoping the translator was having a day off. And Christian of Salini was back. losing
0: against Sheffield United in the FA Cup side. And there it, he there it was, is... adding
1: some salt. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. But I am going to keep it Tottenham for my nomination. Okay. Um, and it's going to be... Richarlison in his multiple shirt lifts. Um, So the amount of times he lifted his shirt after scoring and it never, ever mattering. So he did it twice, got caught offside, then did it a third time at Anfield to score the equaliser and then he went up the other end and conceded straight away. And then to really top it off, Callum Wilson and Michael Antonio were taking the piss out of him on their <laughs> podcast uh talking about how you know you'd give up after the first one like the balls to have it to do it the fourth <laughs> time is just It's just, oh, oh God, for Charleston, you're giving me so much joy this season. Him dropping disaster classes against Arsenal and just basically going around
0: trying to kick people. Um, Do you remember when he was showboating against Nottingham Forest, but there was no players around him? That was another classic, wasn't it? And then he got absolutely cleared out by, I
1: think it was Nico Williams just went and tried (laughs) to break his hip, um, which completely understandable. I'm completely on Nico Williams' yeah. side. there, doing kick-ups for no reason, 1-0 up away against Forrest, you spanner. But I'm going to try and push hard on Richarlison lifting lifting his shirt to multiple disallowed goals because I think it's just, it's, you know, like the law of diminishing returns where it gets unfunnier <laughs> and unfunnier. This is the opposite. It just gets funnier and funnier yeah. each time. So that's going to be my hard sell. But what is your funniest moment of the season?
0: Ooh, <sighs> I mean, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? We've kind of got... I'm trying to work out who have we not given an award to. Mm. I think I'm going to edge with Richarlison because we didn't put him in as flop of the season. We didn't talk about it as much with flop of the season, but I think he deserves an award. Yeah, I, I feel this kind of sums him up as well. So funniest part of the season is seeing Richarlison fall flat on his face and not score a goal. And for an open goal of a joke... Tottenham, you finally won a trophy. There we go. Congratulations, Tottenham. <laughs> You've won your, your first show. trophy
1: since 2008. Congratulations, Richarlison. Funniest moment of the season. Well, listeners, those are our nominate- Those yeah. are our award winners. We want to thank Curva Mundial Pod, Footlol, AFC Finners, Joe Spagnoli, Fede Farco. Um, I think I got everybody there. The North Curve for yeah. sending in your, um, your nominations. But guys, we are going to take a very quick break and we're going to come back with mine and Adam's Team of the Year, but with a twist.
0: Hi, I'm Phil Brown, and you're listening to the Anglo-Italian Podcast.
1: Welcome back to the final (laughs) part of the show. For the final show of the season, it's all feeling very final. But for this part, me and Adam are taking you through our team of the season, but with a little twist. Now, to make it a bit more interesting, what we tried to do was you can only pick one player from each team. And I think it's made it a little bit more interesting. Listeners, viewers, you be the judge, I suppose. You could tell us or not. But this here, you can see my team. Um, So I've gone four for people um, audio based. Um, It might be nice for me to tell you the team. I'm playing a 4-3-3. Now, it starts bad, but I think it gets better. Here we go. In goal, we have Keylor Navas. Uh, Right back, we have Kieran Trippier. A centre-back partnership of Mark Gwehi and Ethan Pinnock. Mm -hmm. We have Alex Moreno at left-back. The three midfielders are Palina, who we talked about, Casemiro, and, of course, Martin Erdgaard, And a front three of Mitoma, Haaland, of course, and Mo Salah. Now, Adam, looking at this team,
0: what are the main questions you have for me about why (laughs) I've picked these players? Um, So, I I don't know why, but I'm drawn to Casemiro because I I feel like he's a player that has had a good season, but I also question Mark, like... His temperament this season. Yeah, He's no, it's probably... a very fair point. He got sent
1: off a lot. <laughs> <and> <laughs> it may be the more I think about it, I could have picked a better Manchester United player, like Marcus Rashford, for example. Possibly. Is now blaring in my head. Like, why did I pick Marcus Rashford? What I why I picked him was because I can't judge Man United fairly. No, I don't know. I I think because he has been incredibly important to Manchester mm. United. He's the player that they needed. They brought him in and he's done very well. And mm. also he's unlocked a much more of attacking part of his game, that I didn't really know he had. He's chipped in with quite a yes, few goals. He, has, yeah. he didn't really have that at Real Madrid. And I think his passing statistics are some of the best in the league. Like mm. his, his ball retention is very good. So I think despite him being a, the loosest of loose cannons, I yes. think he's had a very good season. <laughs> Um, so that's why he gets in there. Um, mm. Yeah. Any other players that you want to ask about? And then I'll ask um, you about I yours. Think,
0: it's a weird one, isn't it? Marisela, I've not nat- naturally drawn to him as being a great player this season, but when you look at his scoring record, it's been incredible. If it wasn't yeah. for like the other strikers in the league, you'd be kind of going, well, he's like Ballon d'Or like quality, you know, and this in the mindset of he could have scored a hell of a lot more had he not missed from the spot because he's, yeah. he's missed yeah, yeah, a yeah. few this season. Um, the other one that kind of springs to mind is Gwehi. Like I know he's a good centre-back, but maybe not his strongest of seasons this year. Um, so yeah, I can see why you were struggling. Would it
1: be a surprise if I said I started with the attack?
0: Oh, really? Oh, okay. Fair enough. Um, but... It's one of those that I, I naturally am a bit miffed by. Um, and then Navas as well. Navas is quite an interesting mm-hmm. one because, yes, we know about his credentials at both PSG and Real Madrid. Um, I don't know how much he actually added to Nottingham Forest's kind of survival. Let's put it that way. Um, probably not helped by the defence yeah. in front of him, to be fair, though. Yeah, I'm going to try. and So with Mark guehi
1: I think... I was Yeah, I was struggling <laughs> at this point, right? But, so I've tried to find some statistics that back okay. me up. <laughs> because that's what statistics are for, supporting yeah. your argument and nothing else. Um, He's amongst the league leaders in clearances and shots blocked. And he started 37 of the 38 games this year for, uh, for Crystal Palace. So I think he has been an ever-present and he's been key to their defensive performances. That's as much as I can back that one, really. He is a very good defender, but you're right, not his greatest season. Mm. Um, Kilo Navas, for some reason, I was intent on not picking. I did, <laughs> yes. I'm I remember sure talking why. about this
0: offline,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure why. I was like, I can't pick Pickford. I can't pick Pickford. I did have Nick Pope until I went for Trippier, and I was like, well, look. <laughs> then I looked at Kilo Navas' stats, and I was like, this is going to be a hard yeah. sell. His saving percentage is pretty terrible. He kept like two clean sheets since he arrived, but but <laughs> that being said. I think he made some pretty big saves for Nottingham Forest, um, even in the Arsenal game where we bloody fucked it up. And so maybe that's where my bias is coming from. But also, I think I remember us talking about the fact his experience has helped Forest get where they got to. I think them bringing in someone who's been where he's been in the changing room, this is me really trying to sell it now. He, I think, he had a positive impact on Nottingham Forest, but it's mainly because I didn't want to pick Jordan P. Mm, this is very
0: true. This is very true. I do feel sorry for Dean Henderson in this situation. He's not done anything <laughs> wrong, and he gets replaced by someone that is playing at PSG. Um, so yeah, that kind of that sums
1: is- it up. Um, that is very true. I also did... I was very tempted to just go for Bazunu just because he's yeah. an Irish goalkeeper. <laughs> I was just going to get on it. But I, I, even I couldn't. Even I didn't have the balls for that. Um, but guys, hmm. I think the rest of the team kind of makes sense. Yes. Erdogan, Palina. Pinnock has had an unbelievable season. Airily, he's amongst the best in the, in the Premier League in terms of aerial duels one. Moreno, we've talked about the impact mm-hmm. he's had at Aston Villa. So I think the only one I'm now thinking... The only two, I'm now thinking maybe I should have thought three, are Casemiro, Guayi and Navas. But damn it, I stand by it. Um, Adam, are you ready to go I through your team? I'm going to stop sharing. I am
0: absolutely ready to share my squad. So just bear with me for those that are viewing at this moment in time. And for those listening, I will talk you through it. So... Fingers crossed, any second now, we'll be populating on the screen now. Oh. And we will have something that looks very similar, Rory, but with some different personnel. So let me talk you through it. Um Basically, let's start off with Ingo, with our favourite number one figurehead. And that is... Jordan Pickford, I had to go with him, unfortunately. Um, It was one that I was also reluctant to put, but I think it was because of the choices ahead and the various clubs that they played for. At right back, we've gone with the same right back. So Kieran Trippier gets a nod there. William Saliba in the centre-back position alongside Lissandro Martinez, who I was a bit unsure of, but we'll talk about that in a bit. Left-back, I've gone with Nico Williams, um, just purely because he was the better of the options that were available to myself, I'm afraid, Rory. Mm -hmm. Then in midfield, I've gone with Paulina, who I've talked about quite highly already on this awards episode, alongside James Ward-Prowse, who we know what a thunderbolt of a left foot he's got. But we've also got Caro Matoma on the right-hand side of that midfield trio. And up front, it is Harry Kane, Erling Haaland and Ivan Toney so a very formidable frontline. I did forget to kind I of feel put the like my of first instinct yes, go on give me your first impressions.
1: My my first instinct is Palina is going to have a lot of work to do in <laughs> that midfield. He's going to have a lot of work to do. Um I feel like you're doing a 415 at this point and look, I don't hate it. I do not hate it, but Palina better get on some steroids or something. He's going to have his work cut out. You could get a tip from Guardiola, you know. Don't forget good. you've got Trippier um, and Nico Williams on the side, so he's probably doing extra work with those full yeah, yeah. yeah that is I honestly I really like the team I think um, Saliba and Martinez are very good shouts honestly mm. I think Martinez is another player that really really provided that solidity at Manchester United's defence that they definitely yep.
0: needed like and like yeah why why did you pick Martinez I think I was running out of options, so in terms of Man United's that it's seems okay. to be the most sensible place to start <laughs> off. You've got to give it to him as well. I think he's grown as the season's gone on. I think if you remember the early mm-hmm. days where he was brought in, I think there was that joke of a game against Brentford where they lost 4-0 in the sun with that horrendous yeah. away kit or third choice kit. I can't remember which one it is. Um, but everyone kind well. of him because of his height, the fact that he was getting dinked so many times. And maybe because he was adapting to the league, it took some time. However, Mm -hmm. if you remember that performance against Arsenal away at the Emirates, I think that kind of personified what type of person he is. Very hard in the tackle, very formidable in terms of his man-marking skills. I think he's got stronger and stronger to the point that you can see the kind of drop-off since he's been out of the squad as well. So the fact that you know they've struggled to get a partner alongside Varane at times this season... Mm-hmm. That's due to the fact that Martinez has had a big influence and the fact that they've also had to play in the likes of Luke Shaw at centre back as well. It kind of shows you how much of an importance because Martinez not only strong in the tackle but also quite pacey, Rory. And don't forget, he was linked with mm-hmm. Arsenal at the beginning of the season. We were talking about it in our previous show as well. So for me, he was the best of the bunch that was available for me anyway, personally. I wasn't going to put a Nottingham Forest centre back, that's for sure. Hence why I've gone with Nicker Williams, which I think he's had a great season for them. And I think given the amount of players, I think maybe like you are right to kind of allude to my midfield and say, yeah, not the most maybe strong, adhesive kind of midfield ever. Um, Palinja is pretty much the focal point um, so yeah but I I feel like James Ward Prowse would get stuck in he'd get like help him out a few times he's gonna have he was, to he's gonna have to <laughs> but I
1: think James Ward Prowse is one I completely forgot about but I think he's a very good shout for a team that was so heavily relegated yeah. so like swiftly relegated for him to have such a good season as he did um, I think that is a very very good shout to have um Ward-Prowse in there beyond like the set of pieces he's a player that does everything yeah. really right like was it just the set of pieces for you or no, what I was I think it this his
0: overall game I think you've rightly called out that despite the season that Southampton's had he's been the focal point he's been a star man he's just been a man that they've had to rely on and I think I remember mm. talking on our pod earlier this season about how James Ward-Prowse said we don't have the experienced people amongst us because it was quite a young squad. And, you know, he's had to act as that kind of, you know, statesman-like kind of man in the squad, you know, pulling through these kind of periods. And I think at times, towards the end, when obviously the take, caretaker, um, a who whose name eludes me, Ruben, I've forgotten his surname, but um, in those kind of days, if you remember that performance against Arsenal, he was formidable alongside mm-hmm. Lavia as well, so I think that's the reason why I think he deserves a shout in this team. I think if he was playing for any other team, we'd be saying there's no issue with him being in this squad. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, yeah. arguments could be that Matoma is not a midfielder. That's another shout potentially. Not <laughs> <That is> the- <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I was struggling. Yeah, I was no, struggling that's a fair And I point. did that's say to you point. offline, I could have happily swapped in for Moses Casido, which might have made this side a bit more solid. I think it adds a
1: bit more yes. balance. It feels a bit Garth Crooks <laughs> at the minute. But hey, we love Garth, we love Garth Crux. Don't take that badly, but it feels a bit Garth Crooks at the minute. But we love it. We love it. We can we can embody him on the pod here. But guys, we are gonna put these um teams on our Twitter when the episode goes up so you can react and tell us exactly what you think of them. But I think we've come to the end of the show, guys. We've come to the end of the season. Um, And all I want to say, there's no quote this week. All I just want to say is thank you for joining us this year. It's been a year that's been a lot of change. (laughs) Um, It's been a long one. But thank you for joining us on this ride. We will be back across the summer. You'll see some activity, some flickers of life. But I... I think I speak for Adam when I say this as well. We are really looking forward <laughs> yes. to a holiday. Um, two shows a week for what feels like two years um, has been pretty heavy, but we've enjoyed every second of it. We want to say thank you to the guests that we've mm. had on: um, Lee Clark, Steve Darby, so um, too many names yeah. to mention. Now Lloyd Owers, so many players, um, so many players and coaches, and great, great guests. So thank you for coming on to the uh, coming on to the pod. Thank you, listeners. You can find us on Twitter at ItalianAngloPod. I will still be tweeting. You can find us on Instagram at AngloItalianPod. I'm sure we'll we'll be putting something up there. Lots of transfer rumors, I imagine. And you can find us on YouTube if you want to relive it all again. Go back to the World Cup shows. Mm. Go back to your favorite weekends with the biggest games. You can relive it all again at the AngloItalianPod. And guys, um, arrivederci. Thank you. We will see you next time.